All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have the return of Mike Baguetta, guitar wizard. Mike has worked with a plethora of great artists, some of which are David Torn, Jerome Harris, Darcy James Argue, Donnie McCaslin, Dominic Eid, and Nels Klein as well as Mike Watt and Stephen Hodges in the band MSSV, which is what we're here to talk about today. MSSV has a new album out. It's called Human Reaction. It's available on all streaming platforms. And to accompany that, they're going on a tour that goes 58 shows in 58 days, one of which is October 7th at the Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland, Ohio. So if you're in Cleveland... That's the one you're going to check out. And I'm a little biased because my band, C-Level, letter C-Level, we are a high-energy funk-punk reggae rock group that takes acoustic 12-string guitars and runs them through Marshall amplifiers, is opening up for MSSV, which is a goal me and my bass player had since we started playing as we wanted to open up for Mike Watt. So this is a really big deal for us, and we're super excited about it. And this new record, um, Human Reaction, is a banger of an album put out by Big Ego. We're going to listen to a track. This is Human Reaction off Human Reaction by MSSB. Staring straight into the sun I can't tell I might be dead Well, I'm pretty sure it's all in my head What am I without any sin? Don't want to fight Because I don't want to win Often I question Often I see Often I wonder, often I be Three plus one is 
one plus three But who'd want to buy the best version of me? Look at the sky, look at the time Look at the scene and look in your mind Reaction off the album Human Reaction. The band is MSSV. The album's available now on all streaming platforms. Check it out. Also, October 7th at the Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland, Ohio is the date you want to go to if you're in Ohio. If not, there's 57 other dates. This uh, I talked to Mike Baguetta a while ago uh, with his last release, which was Every When We Go. And uh, this is this is a cool continuation of our conversation from before then. In that conversation, we get a little more into his history. So if you want a little more backstory on Mike Baguetta, check that episode out. Um, also, next week I'm talking to Stephen Hodges, the other third of MSSV, who has an incredible backstory and has worked with amazing artists like Tom Waits and Mavis Staples. Both my conversation with Mike Baguetta and Stephen Hodges got really, really deep and inspirational. This was a really cool conversation. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Also, if you, I, I, in 2020, I got to talk to Mike Watt. We had about like a four-hour conversation, and it was just as moving. So if you want to hear the whole band's perspective, there's episodes to dive into in the catalog. Last thing before we get to this conversation, if you could like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests like, like Mike Baguetta, Mike Watt, and Stephen Hodges and sharing their insight with you. And last plug, October 19th, Sea Level is opening for Pacifier at the Grog Shop. So if you're, in, if you're into my banter and you're like, this music's cool, I think I'll go check them out again or in a different setting, that's happening now, here's my conversation with Mike Baguetta. To kind of jump into it, I wanted to um, I wanted to ask you about kind of on the, I guess on the topic of music teachers, Ted Dunbar. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, Ted. Ted was amazing. I got to study with him. Uh, actually, pretty close to the end of his life, and um, yeah, I I learned so much from from him about music and. And, and about everything else too, you know, yeah, he, he's a really big influence on me. Cause I, I heard or read in another interview that you said, I'm going to mess this up something along the lines that he helped you play with more emotional intent or learn jazz with like emotion. And I, I was like, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> when I was reading that interview. So is that, 
can you elaborate on that or did I completely biff that quote? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I don't really remember what I say a lot of the times, but um, that, that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you know, for for anybody who's listening who doesn't know who Ted Dunbar is, he was, uh, he he's passed away, geez, man, 20 years or something now, but um, yeah, he was just an incredible guitar player, um, and uh and and teacher for sure um but he was kind of he was from uh, port arthur texas and ended up kind of relocating to indianapolis and uh he got to know west montgomery really well and ted also played with his thumb like west montgomery and um ted was also a pharmacist and i think i remember like this story that when he moved to indianapolis he got a job at the pharmacy across the street from this club called the missile room because that's where west played every night when he was in town so Ted would go work his pharmacy job, lock up the door, walk right across the street and <laughs> go hang in the missile room and listen to Wes Montgomery all night. And he got to know him. And I think Wes had him sub for him when he was on the road and stuff like that. And then, of course, Ted moved to New York City and played in all sorts of amazing groups. He's One of my favorite records he's on is this uh, record, a Sam Rivers record called uh, Sizzle. That's an incredible record. He was in the Frank Foster Loud Minority Big Band. Um, He's on an amazing Tony Williams lifetime record called Ego. Um, and there's a great video of that, that band in Montreux with Ted and, uh, and Junie Booth is on bass and that. that's, that's great. So just, yeah, like a wealth of like amazing music from the seventies and eighties uh, and then into his own projects in the nineties. Um, but he was, uh, I kind of consider him as like a really consummate improviser, like not only like really studying the, the harmony of music and the guitar as just kind of like um, being able to, you know, be technically like really proficient to do what you want to do on the guitar. But I learned a lot from him in the sense of like how to sort of think about, you know, what your sound is or like the importance of trying to have an identifiable sound that kind of speaks to your personality and how that kind of translates to the way that you play music too. How do you impart your personality into the music that you play? And that was kind of something that seemed really important that he he covered a lot. And I felt like um, that was one of the things that connected me to him a lot because I didn't have a lot of teachers to that point that talked about that kind of stuff, which I always thought was really important. But lessons were always kind of like, here's this scale, here's this arpeggio. And, and that's, you know, that's great. And that's really important. And Ted had all that stuff as well but he would talk to me a lot more about like how to try to draw my personality out of the way that i played and try to kind of identify what that was just in my life too you know and how that can kind of influence how you play and how you sound like in the way of you that you live your life and the things that you identify with so yeah i mean really like um very like fundamental stuff i think is, is are those things and those is those are always the things that attracted me most to music anyways and those are the things that made me want to play music so um yeah he, he was a really important teacher for me and, and he really believed in teaching too you know it wasn't just like he was kind of doing this gig like he really wanted to like connect with you know players and talk and work on music with them kind of as equals in some in some manner that was kind of always my impression um, from what i got from him from those couple of years that's it well i think that speaks very highly of of any like anyone who's diving into teaching in that in that aspect it's really trying to bring people to become their own 
and like there's a lot of like it um kind of hits upon like a uh, uh Kenny Warner have you ever dove into any of his stuff I read that book yeah okay yeah yeah you know that book okay <laughs> but that whole like idea of like music school kind of taking a turn down the way that a stru- kind of takes you from the what brought you there you know it's a lot of like kind of cookie cutter like you got to cover a lot of this stuff and like um which is right. all important stuff you know the learning the well maybe 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 not <laughs> i have i have my views on that but, but anyways <laughs> well no like i agree i agree with that because it does take you away I mean, some of those skills set, like ear training and like learning how to find those skills, I think is important. Um, sure. I don't think it's the be all end all. Um, yeah. But the kind of like, how would how would he kind of like aid you in finding how to put your personality in your playing? It sounds like a really dedoy question, but like that that's pretty profound. No, I think it's really intangible. Yeah. I think it's a great question because I think that's the thing that everybody wants to know. Like, okay, well I have all these tools. So what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And I think, I think a lot of it was actually, um, it was always recording myself, which is something he talked about. Like if you're practicing or, and by practicing, I guess in this sense, I mean, just sort of like playing a song. And in that context, that was very like jazz with a capital J. So like we'd be playing standards, you know, like all the things you are or Stella by Starlight or something. So if you're going to practice that tune to play the tune, put the tape at that time, tape recorder, which actually still is, I think is a better tool than the phone. Um, I think using a cheap tape recorder is a better tool than using the voice memo on the phone because um, the tape is going to wear out and it's going to break. And so you have a limited amount of time to use it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you record it on the phone, you go like, oh, it's there forever. And then you never get to it. <laughs> but if, it, if it's on the tape, you're like, man, this thing's going to break in like, you know, seven weeks. I, I need to check this out or it's going to disintegrate <laughs> or something. That's my, my theory about that. But anyways, um, so, uh, yeah, so I would record, he'd have you record yourself and he'd have you record all your lessons and listen back to them and stuff. And I think part of it is you listen back and you say like, oh, that sounds like not like what I wish I played there. What do I wish I played? You transcribe yourself and then you kind of alter it from based on what you're hearing in your in your ear, in your mind, in your head, your imagination, you know, and then maybe you write that out and then maybe you practice that. Like, so you kind of like you transcribe yourself, change some of the things that you wish were different and then you learn that and then you practice that. And then you, you kind of go through this process a lot. This is sort of like some of the things he would talk about, but that's sort of my own variation on it too. He was definitely big into the recording yourself and listening back to it and sort of being critical of how of how you could have done things more like how you wanted. And just if you're thinking about that in the process, you're intrinsically kind of like identifying your voice on, in the music. You know, because you're you're making judgments about, oh, I wish I'd played this or this was a cool idea, but how come I didn't keep investigating it for longer? Or this was a cool idea I played and then I never played it again. How come I wish I'd worked with that idea more? And then what do I mean by that? Well, maybe that was a cool rhythm and maybe I could have extended the rhythm or played the rhythm faster or turned the rhythm around or 
or just not abandoned it after two measures or something, you know, like some of those ideas are, are things that would stick in my mind when I would listen to myself, you know? Um, and then it became kind of, for me, like the idea of like, yeah, I have these pretty okay ideas when I'm playing, but then I don't stick with them. So my primary thing became like, how can I really take like just one idea, start a solo with like one little two beat rhythm. And then can I make a whole, statement for a couple of minutes where i'm investigating that where it's kind of interesting and not not academic or not kind of boring but it is exciting enough that i can do that that was always kind of my my interest in listening back to myself okay but that's such a critical tool and that it's wow yeah okay and a guy coming coming hanging out with Wes, you know, I imagine he's tracking a lot of stuff in his mind and, and after he heard Oh, that, yeah. You know? I can't even imagine getting to, getting to see him up close every night and getting to know him, you know. Wow, yeah. amazing. Yeah, but that, that, I think that's really, that is really, because like a, lot of, a lot of musicians can't stand hearing themselves in like anything, you know what I mean? Sure. And like... Yeah, I totally understand that. But, but um, like if you'd never listened to what you did you know how i don't yeah exactly i mean what better way to improve it than to listen back and say yeah that's sucked but why yeah <laughs> you know because your 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 memory your ear memory plays tricks on you i think if you don't actually go back and listen to it like you can play you can play a gig or you can practice or whatever and you can go like man, that sounded great, you know, and then, and maybe it did, but then maybe if you listen back to a recording, you could be like, oh, actually that wasn't as good as I thought. And then how come, right? Or you have the opposite thought, like, man, I always play terribly. I always sound awful. Um, but then, okay, well, why do you think that? It's hard to remember truthfully. So if you go back to the recording, you can critically listen and say, oh, this is what I mean. It's maybe it's not that bad, but I wish I'd done more of this or less of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's such like a, I think it's like a, once you get past that bar of like your threshold, once you move through that, that point in your musical story, it's like easier to like grow from that. But there's such like a, at least maybe I, I had such a, like a, I'll, I'll use my I statements. I had such a, a hump mm -hmm. getting into that first like threshold of listening, of listening to myself, especially with singing. Um, but yeah, well, that I can really relate to since I've like started singing more. But but I have to think about it as the same process. Like like oh, I, what do I wish was different about how I'm singing? Well, if I listen back to it, I can identify it and then I can kind of practice it. And that's just sort of the way my brain works too. I mean, I don't think it has to be that way for everybody, you know. But like you know, if you imagine a writer, somebody who's writing a poem or a novel or some, or lyrics or whatever, you know, like. I would imagine they have to be reading it a lot to edit it, you know, like, oh, I, there's, there's one syllable too many, where is it? Or like, oh, I used this word too many times, or what's a better way that I can get this idea across? Like, if you're not going over those words, um, how do you know how to improve the, the sort of final product, I guess, which in this case, I'm just talking about the final product being like your musical personality, not not really like a symphony or something. You know? Yeah. But that's kind of a symphony of life. That's an ever changing thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the symphony of life. We're constantly composing the symphony of life is my new quote for you. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> that's a deep shit. I like that. <laughs> yeah, you can use that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, um, before I wanted to definitely talk about some vocal stuff with you, but before that, on the kind of like top of guitar lessons, I bought um, after our last conversation, I bought uh, Arcana Book One. On oh our, wow, great! It's a like, great book. It's such a great book. Like I. I, I got it like earlier this week, knowing that I'm like, oh, I told Mike I was going to get that book before we talked next. <laughs> and like, I thought I had hey, you're until, on a deadline now. <laughs> I thought I had until the, the concert because <laughs> that's in October. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, but then uh, Howard hit me up. So I was like, oh, I order it now. I didn't realize how big a book it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, what a cool series of books, man. Um, in that fingering uh, uh, article with like playing these scales in all these like kind of like abstracted ways was su it's such like a little part of that book, but like is really profound. Well, that's kind of why I like that book too. Like every, so this book Arcana, it's sort of like a collection of like little lessons by different musicians or not even lessons, but just like little chapters about whatever that person wants to write about, about music or not music, I guess even too. But um, it's cool because it's like every chapter is a different writer or a different musician writing something. And so it's kind of like a bunch of little pamphlets put together in a, in a bigger book, you know. So it's not like you have to read the whole thing. You can just kind of read a chapter by, you know, Mark Rebo or you can read a chapter by Ikue Mori or whoever. See what they think of what they're thinking about when they wrote it. And then it gives you something to think about music for however long you want to you know, toss that around in your mind. I think it's really, really fun. You know, it's like a bunch of little slices of I other people's ideas, you know? Yeah. It's like a little, it's like a, a zine of avant-garde articles. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it totally is. Yeah, totally is. And like really useful information too. Even if you don't agree with it, it's like kind of, you have something interesting to think about for a while, you know? Just like what Mark Rebeau writes about like uh, earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that's wear right. Them. Yeah, volume, <laughs> volume or something. Yeah, I, I, I don't use earplugs either, and sometimes I think I, I should. Sometimes I use earplugs when I'm hearing other people's music, um, just like a volume thing. But I've never used them on stage, um, you know, because kind of for that reason of like, well, I don't want to miss the feeling of it. Um, and sometimes it does. I mean, you know, like Emma says, we we can play loud but we can also play really really quiet and so i'm afraid kind of like if i've got the plugs in for when it might get kind of loud which is not really like sustained loud all the time but we have you know we we're a dynamic band that when it gets real quiet what's that going to do for how i'm hearing it or something um so I, i've never really used them either but uh yeah i don't know yeah like i use them when i i'll go to concerts or just loud places like Yes, yeah, you know what I mean. Same. Like, but playing, it's like, especially with singing, it's it, it, it keeps yeah, you on that's your true. Head. Like, that's you, true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's too much. Um, and on that, like last time we talked, we talked about like how Watt and Hodges were very supportive of of you singing and like kind of like uh, being like, why don't you? You totally should. And this whole this new record, um, Human Reaction, is very much you on vocals. <laughs> so like, yeah. Um, kind of like let's pick up where we left off with that a little bit like when it came to like writing these songs and like really 
um, put was was this kind of like based on improv you guys had as a group, and then adding lyrics later, or, or was there a process to that where you wrote songs and brought it to the group? What did that look like? Yeah, it was it was just pretty much me. You know, it was yeah, it was me writing the songs and writing the words and bringing them bringing them to the guys. You know, like um, like what I usually do and what we're doing now with we have a, a new set of music that we're going to record after this upcoming tour as yeah. usual that'll, that'll be the third mssv record yes uh, um yeah um did you say f uh, no i said yes oh like, yes. <laughs> yes yes more is this f, yeah f, um, all in the key of f <laughs> <laughs> there there actually is a lot of f which is uh <clears throat> maybe well maybe it's not a problem but anyways um yeah so what i'll what we'll do is uh is usually i'll write the parts i'll even kind of you know i make demos of like fake midi drums that i play on the keyboard and then i fake bass parts that i kind of play on the guitar with an octave pedal or sometimes a keyboard and then i'll play my guitar parts and then if i have the words done i'll do a scratch vocal track um sometimes i'm just sort of saying nonsense syllables in the rhythm of what i think the lyrics might end up being as i don't have good ideas for words right away uh, and so I put that together and I send them essentially a demo of the, a demo of the tune, maybe with a click. Um, and I'll also send them their in, in, individual tracks, like the bass track or the drum part so that they can just sort of hear where I'm coming from in those. Uh, and, but the difference is I'm writing those parts for them. I'm writing the bass part as like, yeah, this would be really cool to hear Watt play this idea with his sounds, or this would be really cool for Hodges to play with his sounds. Um, things that I think are not like, I'm not asking them to play stuff that they that wouldn't feel like their personality, I guess is what I mean. Because again, that, I, that idea, like we just talked about with Ted, like that's a really important thing to me, like for musicians, I think in general. So I don't want to write something to give to someone to play that's just like some like random like dumb baguette idea like i'm gonna write their part with their sound and their playing and their personality in mind um and uh, i think that's you know they seem cool with that uh and it's cool for me because i get to kind of hear these like masters play with their sound and their personality, these ideas that I came up with that were inspired by their sound and their personality, <laughs> you know, it's like a very like, uh, uh, what's that snake that eats its own tail thing? The, uh, a aerobarus, aerobarus. It's like a very aerobaric <laughs> kind of, kind of a thing, but, um, yeah, that's kind of the way this band uh, works. And then of course, I always tell them like, you know, this is just a starting point. If you have ideas that you, that it turned, that it morphs into as we play it, or if you have a better way of doing this, by all means do it, you know, because I'm not going to say like, oh no, it has to be this way. This is the part. So that's it. No, absolutely. It's just a starting place. So things change and things morph and, you know, they come up with better ways to play the stuff I give them. And then it makes me kind of maybe change my parts as we go. And especially as we do these tours, you know, like, several weeks on the road playing new music things are going to evolve and they're going to change that's why we like recording the albums at the end of the tour you know because you've been able to play the music for you know 40 50 nights in a row like man what better time to record it right right 
that's the most like rehearsed and like idea spread it's going to kind of be. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think some of that, the best practice you can do is in front of people in front of an audience, you know, because that's, that's different than just doing practice in the, it's a living tape machine. They'll tell you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Feedback from the people is, is, uh, you know, sometimes a cool thing. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I remember, I remember when you guys played at the Beach on the Tavern last, the the tune where you and Watt go back and forth. Um, With the vocals. Pillow Talk, I believe. Yeah, Pillow Talk. Yeah, that's on the new record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, uh, so like, going into, did the songs kind of evolve before the tour like with lyrics and stuff like that like yeah i had okay. i had them written like i had everything done maybe three months before before the tour started okay and then the tour is just where the where it grinds out expands uh, it goes through first draft second draft final draft and then you track it when you're done with the tour i guess so yeah i mean it's yeah. pretty it's pretty much you know it's probably second draft when we hit the road and then as things kind of change it's Cause we do practice before we do the tour. We don't just start with nothing. Like I'm going to go out. Um, I'm going to go out to um, LA in a couple weeks. And I think we do about two weeks of practice. We do practice every day and then we start the tour. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, you know, you, you don't want to be like, yeah, I, I like, I like some adventure when I play. I mean, I like a lot of adventure when I play like, but I don't like the kind of adventure where it's like, uh, oh wait, how's this song go again? Yeah. <laughs> like that, that stuff has to get like solidified with no issue. The adventure is kind of like an exploring, exploring the songs because you already know the map so well. Then it's kind of like, how far can we take this idea? That's the adventure I like in the performance. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think everybody's got to practice to get the the basics together for sure. Yeah, for sure. If not, like. But that like that that totally makes sense because like it, the feeling that you're barely landing the bit compared to like expanding the bit it's a it's maybe similar out of perspective but like in perspective is completely a different feeling <laughs> like yeah and, and plus like you know I mean I take it pretty seriously that people have paid money to come and be a part of that show for the night you know like we're not we're not talking like Taylor Swift prices or anything, but I mean, 20 bucks is 20 bucks, you know, like I wouldn't want to waste that. I, I have, I mean, I've been there. I've paid 20 bucks and gone to hear bands and was like, Oh man, you know, maybe you guys should have done a little more practice or something or, but then I, but then I've heard 20 bucks and I was like, man, I would have paid a hundred dollars for that, you know? And that's what I, that's what I want to bring people. I want people to feel like, you know, they're getting, they're getting more than they bargained for when they come to hear us. Well, and also like, it's I think when okay when you guys played you played on a Sunday at the Beachland and Watt said something along the line that's like there's only 52 Sundays and like you know what I mean but that that's such there is only so many days true and (laughs) that Sunday or any other Sunday on tour that person can be anywhere else they want to be and they're there with you Mm -hmm. so I totally totally understand that let's make this the best absolute moment it can be even if it's you know not a t swift level show it is you know you're here tom's here well yeah i mean we're not i don't know if it's obvious but we're not really going for well that yeah. kind of a show yeah yeah it's, <laughs> we've only got like one outfit anyways you know we can't do the change 
but uh, um <laughs> but yeah no i mean it is real serious and like yeah. I, I i try to think about that i mean that's like yeah he says that that's part of the the deal like there's only 52 mondays in a year or whatever and, and that's really true and maybe it sounds kind of funny to some people but man i i have heard that a lot you know obviously like every night or whatever but um i think about that and i think about it in terms of everything like this is the only august 6th sunday morning conversation i'm ever going to get to have with you right you know so i want to make sure that i'm present and i'm paying attention and i'm locked in and i'm really like you know having having an actual conversation that means something it's not just a th i don't th i don't want to think that there's any throwaway moments in in life you know um and and i you know it's easy for people to kind of start going through the motions for some things like i get that like things are difficult or people got stuff on their mind but if there's a way that you can kind of recenter yourself into like really focusing on what's going on i think that's really cool i i had um i, I started thinking about that um i had uh, thyroid cancer a long time ago yeah and uh, i remember like uh, and i'm totally fine now this is like man this has got to be wow this has got to be almost 20 years ago now too yeah. but uh you know yeah i was in my 20s and i remember like going to the doctor and <laughs> you know the, she was like so nice and like she comes out and she's like oh, I have really bad news and i'm like what because i had you know had this stuff checked out and she's like well you, you it's never an easy way to tell anyone this but you have you have cancer and you're like whoa Holy you know shit, that's like yeah. a really yeah like a really yeah. heavy thing you know and um and again, luckily, it was like very easy for me. It was like a very easy one to treat. It was like, I'm not, I'm not even like comparing myself to people who have like actual cancer because it was very easy and everything's cool. But I do remember in that moment and kind of going through it and taking care of it and like afterwards being like, man, yeah, I mean, people say it all the time. Life is short and things are very fleeting. But when something like that happens to you, you really realize it. Yeah. you know and you really start to think about like what are the chances that i haven't been taking or what are the ways that i haven't been kind of giving people 100 percent, and how can i kind of redirect my perception of my life to do that you know so that's something that that i've been trying to do you know that became really present for me in that moment i don't always succeed i'm not perfect but i try and i always keep it in mind and so i think about that on the gig i think about that when we talk and i think about that you know regardless of what's happening Wow, that's in that's intense. At twenty, you said. Uh, I was probably uh, well. Let's see. I could figure it out. It was uh, it was two thousand six. So, what is that? Seventeen years ago, and I'm forty four. Am I forty four? Yeah. So seventeen minus forty, or forty four minus seventeen. Okay, but still, like, what it like? Gonna, give me the number. Oh, sorry, that. <laughs> uh, I never said I was a math teacher. <laughs> I think it's 27, 27 right? Yeah, yeah, 27. Holy shit. And as, as a musician, you're like, oh, my God, this is, this rough. is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, that's a, that's like a great uh, age, you know? I mean, they're all great ages, right? Yeah. But, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool to get a little perspective sometimes. Well, for like. The, to be able to take a walk away with that kind of like like mindset and moving forward like I think d definitely you know they say like when you're going through something like that having like a positive mindset and kind of like moving forward helps a lot and I've never been through a thing like that so I, I don't know but like um, 
you know what I mean? Like to be able to take that away and put that in. Cause like one thing I've noticed with a lot of projects you do, cause like every time I've get like, I've gotten to like look into your career, it's like an onion. There's just more and more layers of like, Oh man, Mike played with this guy. And like, this is a whole other thing. And like there it's, but everything you've done, like seems to be something you authentically really want to do. And like, it's not like, uh, like I've never got like uh, you had to do the bar gig circuit you know what I mean like which is really cool and inspiring like does that make sense well, you know what I mean does that make sense yeah like, like, yeah I mean I have I have though I, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> I've definitely done, done things I didn't want to do um, because I needed the money or whatever well yeah yeah, yeah. but like but, uh, but I mean maybe what I think what I think maybe I hope I can kind of interpret from what you're saying though, is that even if some of those things are what I did, if you hear them, you know, it, it doesn't sound like I'm phoning it in because yes. I'm not, you know, yeah. even if I'm doing a gig that is like not, you know, the kind of thing that I would love to be doing with my time a hundred percent at one point. Um, I know that I was definitely trying to do my best on that gig. Um, that's something that I can always be sure about. I was never on a gig. I was never on a gig that I didn't want to be on mm. where I wasn't still trying to play a hundred percent. And that that's, I, so that's saying I was on gigs. I didn't want to be on, <laughs> but I was never like, I was never like, Oh, I hate this place and I hate this gig. So who cares what I do? Yeah. No, it might've been like, oh, I hate this place and I hate this guy, but I'm still going to play as good as I can play for the music. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. there wasn't, a, you're right though. There wasn't like a lot of those. I mean, I, most of the, most of the people I've ever played with, I had a blast with and a lot of the projects that got recorded, I've had a blast with. And, and even if I didn't think I was going to, trying to kind of like you said trying to keep that mindset and trying to like deliver because it's the only time you're going to get to do that in that space with those people in that moment um you know that's really important so yeah wh why not I, I don't i mean and to your point like i didn't always have like a positive mindset going through the the illness thing but um like at all yeah and i still i mean like i said i still don't i'm not perfect like there are times where like something dumb happens and i'm like oh you know you lose sight of just the fact that life is kind of this cool little series of puzzles and stuff. But, um, but I do try to remember, you know, and I do try to try to deliver that for whatever I'm doing. Well, you know, it, it's adding tension to, to our composition of life. There's gotta be tension yeah, to go. get released. Right. That's such a good metaphor. There you go. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, like, of course, like if, if you were perfect, this would be a way more boring conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Um, yeah. But that's like, uh, um, I guess, because I, I, I dove back into some of your earlier works, and I think it was like your first record I found was like a prepared guitar record, which I don't know. Yes. I didn't bring that up last time, but that's why I mean, like, that's not like, that's not honing it in. This is Mike doing what he wants to do. This is sick. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's where I got that, like, that, that perception of that you're doing it your way a hundred percent for at least for most of the gigs and music I've found of yours so far. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I did, a, I do always have the opinion of like, if it's something that I think has kind of been done better before by other people, there's no reason for me to do it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and so that kind of extends to like why I do a lot of original music because like there's so many great versions of great players doing 
you know, if we if we're still talking about jazz with a capital J, you know, I mean, there's no there's no lack of amazing players, <laughs> you know, playing that repertoire. Like, there's I have I have nothing. I don't feel like I have anything that to add to that that is more important than what I'm trying to do with my own music. You know, I'm not saying that I couldn't add something, but I'm saying that if I, you know, in in the finite amount of time that I have, I want to spend it doing something else because there's already great versions of these things that I love out there. The post-genre of jazz. Yeah, I mean, you know, I <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to say I don't want to say that like I. I don't do jazz or I do jazz or I, I refer to it as jazz with a capital J because I think there's also lowercase jazz, which is, uh, you know, the whole term is very loaded for a lot of people. And yeah. so uh, I don't really even want to get into that conversation because <laughs> I don't feel like I have a part in it, you know, for a lot yeah. of reasons. But, um, but I mean, I, you know, we were talking about Ted and that music and so it's kind of natural, I think to sort of stay on that. But, uh, but I mean, I love that music as much as I love, rock with a capital r or small r or classical music or 12-tone music or afro pop or whatever you know i mean i i just love good music and so that's why i kind of got into trying not to call it anything because i'm you know i'm not anything specific you know? yeah well and i think that's i mean like in a world where everyone ha like venues and, and algorithms have to like find a way to place your music in a thing so it is fed into the thing that feeds to other people it really yeah, limits brutal. that it is it is and like uh, it, it really makes it hard and like I, I gotta imagine like booking makes it very hard to be like this is what we do but i think with what you guys do with mssv like you put your guys's names and everyone's like oh yeah sweet because it, it is this kind of post-genre, like each one of you guys in MSSV, you, Watt, and Hodges, like have a, a plethora of different genres and backgrounds and musicality that like that just put together makes that kind of, the genre doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, that's why the music works so well with those guys. I mean, it's, it's written for those guys. It's interpreted by those guys with me. And, um, you know, I, I remember like the first tour we did that kind of shorty tour when well of flowers came out that um, 10 day coast to coast tour that was i remember like people didn't really know like what was going to happen like what in the world is are they going to play what is this music going to sound i mean i myself included sometimes which is awesome um and then i think i think the next time we did a tour i think people were kind of thought they were going to hear something and maybe it was different from what they thought. And I think this tour too, people might go into it thinking it might be some of the stuff like last time, but it's going to be something different again, you know? Um, but I think there's a thread running through everything, which is the three of us interpreting these songs that are built for these three people uh, in that moment. So I think that's, that's the important thing. You know, we've talked so much about like uh, individual personalities in music and how important I think that is something that I, that really Ted spoke to me a lot about. Um, that's how I like to think, you know, like I'm just, I'm just some dude that does the things that I like. Um, but isn't that, isn't that who everybody is? Isn't everybody like 
just some dude that's trying to just do whatever they want, you know? And for some people that might be like one thing, you know? And then it's a little easier to kind of, and some people, they even like to go into the folder. Like, yeah, I played, I only play this, boom. Then, okay, well, great. So you're all set. But for a lot of people, a lot of people are many different things and not even just music. Like, you know, you're a, one, one can be whatever. One can be like a mother and a daughter and a musician and a businesswoman and a accountant and a religious person or, and a cook and a clean, you know, like you can't, like you're all these things throughout the day and it's different for everybody. So why do I only have to say that I play this when I really do all kinds of different things because I'm trying to reflect my personality in life. You know, that's important because no one else can do that. You know what I mean? Like no one else can play the things that I play in the way that I play them, how I play them in that moment, which is kind of like <clears throat> people can go like, well, duh. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe you can think it's kind of a cop out, but I really believe in that. And I think that that's really important for everybody. And, and that's, that's also why I'm not quick to write people off too much in music because um, you know, anybody who's trying to do anything in music, and putting themselves out there. I mean, that's, that's pretty heavy, like already. Um, so you know that they have to believe in it to some extent. Maybe it's not your thing. Okay, that's cool. But it doesn't detract from the fact that they're out there actually putting themselves on the line and doing something that you're not doing just by the principle of that you're not them, you know? So I think that it's really important to, uh, for everybody to sort of check that out when they're thinking about music and musicians and or whatever whatever you're checking out right well it, well yeah and i think that's well said and i think it is important to because when whatever instrument you pick up or whatever uh, the creative outlet if it's writing or if it's saxophone there's kind of like a a blueprint for this is a good writer this is a good saxophone player and like how do you find yourself in that you know what i mean you can very much get bogged down in like oh if i don't write this book about children becoming wizards or if I don't uh play like this you know what I mean like I'm going to not be what's considered a good writer or saxophonist but knowing that most art is an expression of you in that moment and growing from that and it's a multifaceted thing it's not just a books about children wizards or whatever you know what I mean like I think it's really important to hear and it's really important to hear from like musicians and artists and creatives you are inspired by so like hearing that from you is definitely super inspiring for me. <laughs> so. Well, that's kind of like before, you know, like the music education thing, like, um, yeah, you have to learn this, this, and this before you can learn X, Y, and Z, and then you can do it, you know, one, two, three or whatever. Like I get, I get that. Yeah. But I also don't think that it's always necessary for everybody because some people don't want to do that. You know, like some, some people's output is not going to be based on those things. Um, and some people don't know that yet, because sometimes when you when you go to into a music program, sometimes you're sometimes you're really young and you don't know. You don't know about yourself enough yet to know what you want to do or to know how to explore who you are in in music or in art or whatever. So, um, I mean, I get that. Like, OK, yeah. So even if you don't know, here's here's all the tools you need and all the building blocks. And that was a lot of what I received and I'm thankful for it. But I also know people that like, you know, 
probably learned all that stuff and maybe felt like they didn't have to use it to do to get into like you know free noise improv or um whatever you know i just uh i feel like and i i do think that there's a lot of teachers that get that and there's a lot of teachers that kind of like try to teach to the to the individual and i think um when i teach that's kind of what i try to do if i have a student that wants to learn something about what i do or they want to kind of a lot of a lot of times when i have people approach me about taking lessons or whatever it's really cool because they have kind of heard some of this stuff about me and so they'll they'll go like, um, yeah, I need, I want to take lessons in like learning how to find my individual voice. And I'm like, great, I'm way into that. Let's do it. <laughs> that's my whole thing, you know, um, because that's what is really important. And to get to that point, it's not always about like, you have to learn these 12 keys and you have to learn all these fingerings and you have to learn this with the metronome. Sometimes it is about that. Sometimes it's good just to know, but sometimes people don't need that either for what they want to do. And that's cool too. So you know standardized music education i think is is like a you know it's the it's the sword and the shield kind of a thing um yeah. at the same time so no I, I but think... like i said i'm just some dude i, I don't really know <laughs> well i think that's really well said and i think i think you're right i think you're right like um like even when you like learn all these steps of a thing right i think that matters more after the fact you're like i just want to learn why this song worked so I can make my own song. And like, if you learn all the ingredients before the song, sometimes you forget the song. Well, that stuff was always after the fact, like yeah. Bach, J.S. Bach, you know, he didn't mm -hmm. have counterpoint rules to follow at first. Like he just, he just improvised, you know, two voice pieces. And then, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, I'm probably going to get the history wrong, but like, as far as I understand it, he would improvise these two voice pieces and then kind of write them down as he went. And that was the piece. And then after the fact, people studied them and came up with the rules for counterpoint or something, you know, at some, some high level, I know there's like chants and stuff before that, but, but I don't, the point though, is that I don't think J.S. Bach was like concerned with the, you know, the 10 commandments of how to write perfect counterpoint when he was writing two part inventions. You know, I think that stuff definitely comes after the fact when you go back and you analyze it because you love the piece and you want to know what's happening and maybe there's something in there that you can take for yourself. I mean, that reflects the thing I was saying before about taping yourself and going back and learning from it and changing and whatever, like that's cool. But then the problem comes when people sort of solidify it as rules that you have to follow that dogmatism. Yeah. Um, that dogmatism is a difficult thing for me in, in a creative enterprise. I, you know, I, I think, I think some of the dogmatism or some of like the methodology, like the idea that there's steps to follow is some type of comfort that if I keep doing this thing, I will get to the thing I think I want to be. You mm. know what I mean? Like sometimes I sure. think, you know, sometimes I think that's maybe what makes that so strong because it is really hard to like believe in yourself to some degree when you're like, I'm not a John Coltrane or a, um, whatever guy who wrote Lord of the Rings. I forget what I was going for. <laughs> Other creative dude. Um, you know what I mean? Like, so I think there's, there's a comfort in that. Like, but I also, there's like that critical thought that like personality discovery, that who am I, those big questions, I don't think comes out of comfort. I think there's gotta be some tension in, yeah. in this composition of your life. <laughs> like a threshold right. you need to cross to find that. For and, sure. Yeah. And then, yeah. 
I def that's like I think a really cool roundabout way to get back to recording, <laughs> like in analyzing yourself like that, um, and like I guess like did you find it easy to kind of like find good things about yourself when you first started listening back to like maybe going back to these lessons with Ted, like or was that more of a challenge to be able to like listen to what am I? That's the nugget there, like. Which is, I guess it's a kind of side tangent because we kind of talked about what to look for and what you were kind of, not to look for, but what you looked for and like how you would build off these motifs of like maybe a little two rhythmic ideas and try to make like a whole sentence out of two words musically. Um, but like, did you, was this a process that you found very easy at first or, or maybe not as um, Maybe, uh, it's kind of a long time ago now, but, um, I mean, I, I can't imagine it was obvious at first. Yeah, I, I'm sure like listening at first, I was kind of like, well, what am I listening for? You know, and then you can think about other music you like. What are the things you like in other music? Oh, I like um, stuff that feels energetic or I like, um, you know, things that make me want to dance or I like when things are really loud and then really quiet. You know, like you can really pare it down to like, the basics um and get a lot out of it so i think some of it is kind of identifying what you like and that that speaks to who you are because but you know what that's why you like something <laughs> you, you just like it um and then so kind of maybe trying to hear some of that in my own playing would have been helpful uh but i think after like a couple of times i i caught on to like oh this is actually something that i'm doing that could be cool if i did more of it or or this could be cool if i did way less of it, you know, or, um, you know, or generally gen a general consensus with me is like, Oh, this would have been cool if I like played like way less than I'm playing, you know, and that's something I, <laughs> I've been thinking about for decades, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think about that all the time, especially with talking, I'm like, just stop saying anything, man. Just like, right. listen, listen. <laughs> right. Um, yep. but at, so did you find like, but nah. that can be sometimes you can go in the other direction too much and like you just you just don't play. Yeah. <laughs> and then people are like, okay, well, are you we're, you're on stage, so what are you doing? We want to hear you do something. <laughs> <laughs> That's true too. <laughs> um, so like another thing, like when we last talked uh, spoke, you um you told me this like horror story of this music teacher who you wrote a song and you played it for and who was just like. Yeah, maybe don't sing, which is the shittiest thing oh, for oh, anyone yeah. to like say. Say to yeah, anyone. that was actually uh, I was I was on stage and uh, it was this little like summer camp um, kind of music thing and uh, yeah I, I you know I was taking like just guitar lessons and um, but I wanted to I didn't think it was like different like well why can't I sing while I play guitar like everyone else in the world <laughs> like why why would that i never even thought like why would that be weird or whatever and i remember i did it and it was really hard for me to like sing while i was playing guitar it's actually still really hard for me to sing while i'm actually trying to play something on the guitar at the same time I, which i think is hard for everybody from the more people i talk to but um and so you know maybe it didn't like go that great but it was also my first attempt at doing it on stage and i remember like you know afterwards so what'd you think you know like yeah oh yeah um yeah maybe maybe no more singing or something yeah i forget the words but it was definitely like a crushing moment for me yeah yeah which is 
just I, anyone who's doing uh, maybe I'm too supportive of kids, but like I think that's the worst thing. Like any teacher could say to anyone who's showing. I mean, it might have even been like it might have even been like an off the cuff little joke kind of thing in his mind or whatever. Right. But, but definitely for me, it was like okay. I, so then, yeah, I don't sing for like the next like. 20 years of my life or whatever <laughs> but still like so like i guess like now kind of diving in time like i don't know if you were working on this before mssv but from our last conversation it didn't really sound like it um now like i guess kind of listening to your voice start to grow and like hear these is it kind of like revisiting those ted lessons and like have you found like a starting point that you feel comfortable with like does well, the starting sense? point is that I just have to do it. You know, right. I just I just do it. That's just the starting point. And if it's, you know, it is what it is. And that's where you start. You know, that's I don't have a problem with that. I'm not I'm not critical of the starting point because, you know, you just have to put the foot out the door. You know? um, and so, and that's hard enough sometimes. So, OK, so you've done that. Great. And then, yeah, but now I can listen to it. Or really, really, I was like kind of listening to demos or really last year I was kind of like revisiting it after the gig in my mind every night like oh man yeah i should have i can probably be a little more confident with these words or maybe i don't actually have to like worry about pitches at this point because it's mm -hmm. you know i can just sort of talk it out and yeah I, I i feel like i'm kind of finding a vocal style for this music yeah for sure that's cool man that's so cool like i don't it's really cool to have a conversation kind of about that then hear it in the next like batch of stuff like that's yeah yeah, you get real-time uh, development with me. <laughs> well, you know, and, and we do that with any artist we like, you know what I mean? Like, even if I didn't get to pick your brain, which to me this is an honor to be able to pick your brain and pick and, and see that growth because that's like it, – it's it seems like a thing – it seems like that's – duh, of course every artist is going to grow with each record. But when you get to like kind of like be trying to figure that out on your own, not that you ever – applied uh, i don't mean to put that weird personality voice joke on you like but you know what i mean no. like when you're like when you get to like when you're trying to figure it out yourself like when i'm trying to figure it out for myself and i'm grinding my head against the wall and like to see these people i admire doing that too but and doing it you know what i mean like it just brings like a whole nother like cool weight of insight well it's kind of cool too for me because like it's it's almost like starting a different instrument, you know? Um, and I think maybe that, that kind of speaks to something you're, you're thinking of too. Like, you know, if you're talking to somebody about stuff like this, chances are they've been doing it for a while and their career is set up. Like, you know, they are this and this is what they do and this is what we can talk about. Yeah. But then to throw in the mix, like, oh yeah, actually I also do this now and I'm just doing it on my own because I want to do it. Like that's maybe a nice different element. It's like, oh yeah, I also uh, learned to play harp and I'm going to play harp on all these gigs next week. You know, <laughs> like it's kind of like a like, oh, you're just starting this now. That's kind of that's kind of interesting to be doing that like sort of later later in my life. You know, like this thing that every basically everyone has done since they were kids except me, and then. But I've always wanted to do it. And so then finally I was like, well, you know, life's too short. And these, you know, these guys seem like they're okay with putting up with it for a while. So I'll just go ahead and do it, you know. Um, so I, I think it is interesting uh, in, in that respect. Um, so, yeah, I, I still I like talking about it. <laughs> it's awesome. And then Human Reaction such a good song, man. Like, oh, thank you. That one, Thanks. that really well written, super awesome, like 
Watt kind of chords going on, but the melody and like everything is that's it kills, man. So like to come from that conversation was I think I'm gonna start singing, then to hear that, I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. Dude. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been really cool to to kind of you know, I mean, I, I feel like one thing that's great about working with um with Watt and, and Hodges is like, you know, they're both kind of really into the constant development of the person, you know, or the musician or the music and the music. Um, you know, it, you're not in, I'm not in a situation with people that want things to be the same every time, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in a situation with people that want things to grow every time and change and improve and evolve. And, uh, you know, that you don't always get that with everybody. Um, and it really, you know, it lines up with kind of the way that I see stuff. And I think that's why we get along so well in this, in this, um, in this endeavor, you know, in this band, uh, and in this music. So yeah, it is cool that, that you can hear that as well. Cause I definitely feel it from getting to work with these guys so much. I'm really thankful for it. The one and I was going to ask, but I think you answered it is like, uh, with guys like Watt and Hodges, like they have their own, like, you know, entire careers but like the last like especially with watt like i'm for a while i can count every year i can catch a watt at one point at the grog shop with the missing men or the uh second men and yeah. like now it's i've only been seeing him with you at the mssv so i think you i think yeah, you guys sorry. have a, no it's awesome <laughs> dude it's like and I, I mean it in the best way like it's really cool to like for everyone like in mssv very established careers to like find like a band like a home base in a sense like after doing all of these amazing things i think it also shows that that like um uh that gross that personality that uh that uh every like we kind of talked about trying to find through through recording yourself and i think that's so cool that that can happen yeah i mean uh i mean i hope i get to see the missing men tour again also i love that band tom tom watson man he's like incredible guitarist he's had an old band called slovenly i think man what a great band that was um yeah tom tom's one of my favorite guitar players but um yeah i mean you know i don't i don't i mean mssv i don't think it's like a culmination of anything for anybody it just happens to be what what's going on right now and i'm you know like those guys all still have like tons of stuff happening on their own rightfully so and thankfully because we all get to hear all sorts of things that that hodges and, and water involved in and that's a gift in itself but um i mean i am really like thankful that they uh that they uh, are into working on this music with me for sure it's so cool it's so cool um Mike, thank you so much for speaking with me at Lanks this morning. I really appreciate it. Oh, man. Anytime. Anytime, dude. Thanks for having me on. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, October 7th. We're gonna. My band's going to be opening for you guys. I know. That's great. I'm so stoked. Back at Beachland. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig of the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.